mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 44. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Urquiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And we are excited to talk math again before <laughs> breakfast. Is that what we're doing this week? Math? That We're talking about math today. Okay. okay. Um, so Ruth's going to talk about integers and what's happened so far in her room with integers and, and kind of problem solve for what's next, right? Correct. And then I had the pleasure of working with some teachers this week on place value, and we, we spotted a new... Um, like essential understanding in there that wigging people out. So we're going to talk about it and get... That's going to be my favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. Already in the first like minute. Awesome. Um, we're going to be talking about how, you know, problem solving there, see what we can come up with. And um, I had a great idea this and I haven't shared it with these guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm like keeping them. I know they're just on the edge of their seat with suspense. <laughs> Yeah, if you could see Jay, you'd see him. Um, and if we get time, we'll talk about... If you could see Jay, you'd see him. <laughs> if you could see Jay, you'd see that he's making a funny face at me on the edge of a seat. Anyway, maybe we'll get to kindergarten shapes. Maybe not. We'll see. That that was been has been a fun part a of my one. week. All right. So tell us about integers, Ruth. So I mentioned last week that I was going to use the book um, Below Zero, but it's not called Below Zero. I just forgot what it's called again. Less than zero. Less than zero. Thanks, Jay. I looked it up so I would get it right, and I got it wrong. And it's the story of Perry the Penguin who wants to buy a scooter with his friends. But he goes through this whole journey of finding clams and losing clams and borrowing so he can spend them until he eventually ends up with enough to do it. Clams and are like the money in his penguin world. Yes. Okay. Got and it. his penguin world is really funny. Like my middle schoolers were laughing at this book because he has a rewarmerator instead of a refrigerator. Uh, 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 uh. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> got it. <laughs> oh, it was funny. So I read the book to them in the shortened version, the way teachers do, so yeah. that it would take the whole class. Yeah. But the really cool part was that I put them in groups of three. And as I read the story, one of them was modeling it concretely with red and yellow integer chips. Okay. And another one had a timeline or a number line in a whiteboard and was just bouncing back and forth, showing the adding and the subtracting on a number line. And then there was a student who was writing the problem abstractly. And what was really cool was that my concrete student was putting on red tiles every time there was some kind of subtraction, every time he lost the clams or he had to pay his parents because he didn't do something right. And my abstract student was writing a minus sign. So we were able to talk about, I wonder why we're getting the same answer when you're adding negatives and you're subtracting. Hmm. Did How much... How much direction did you have to do about what they should do on at the table? Were you just telling them what to do or were they actually so we coming had, up with it? No, we had already um, added positive and negative integers, done basic problems, three plus negative two, et cetera, with the red and yellow tiles. So they kind of knew how that was going to work. And I my directions were... Every time something positive happens in this story, I just want you to lay down the yellow tiles in a single row. And every time something negative happens, I want you to lay down the red tiles. So they had great big long lines of tiles, but there was always oh. an amount hanging out on the end. Huh. And then the number line students, we had gone to the football field and done our integer lesson. And so they knew that if something – if he – Got some clams. We were going to go to the right. And if he lost them, we were going to go to the left. Okay. Um, so. Interesting. So you're, you're, you were always, you were always adding or sub, you were always adding positives or I guess subtracting. So. 
or it, adding negatives is what exactly. you're saying. The concrete students were adding negatives because they were putting negative tiles on every time. Okay. But the abstract students, which we hadn't really done abstract, and I definitely have not said when you subtract, it's the same thing as adding a negative, just change the sign. But that little discovery part kind of happened. Kind of happened. Cool. I'm not going to, you know, say, woohoo, we got it. Everybody got it. Yeah. But so how'd you decide who was doing it concretely and who was doing it? They chose. They just so they're pick. in a group of three. Somebody needs the tiles. Somebody needs the timeline and the whiteboard. And somebody needs their notebook and a piece of paper. Gotcha. And and that was fine. Nobody it was fussed. fine. Yeah. And I had never done it that way. Like, I've always done it. You show it all three ways or let's all show it this way together. But it was really engaging. I don't know if they were engaged because I was reading them this super silly book and I don't they don't get read too very often mm-hmm. in sixth grade or because they were actually seeing the relationships between them. Cool. And you use those words, concrete, abstract, representational. Oh, it was so cute. I, in one class, I made them like come up with those words again, because we've already talked about them. And so I was like, who can remember what kind of way it is if we're going to use these? Well, we get to representational and somebody's like, interrogative. Interrogative. Inspirational. (laughs) The words were so wrong. Interrogative? Yeah. And we just, (laughs) we just giggled. Like those are vocabulary words that you've heard before. Yeah. Wrong class, but it's okay. That's funny. So it was fun. So did anybody come, uh, probably not, but clams is what they use for money on the Flintstones. Oh. I'm pretty sure they, they bought and sold with clams. Oh. I don't. I think I would have told them that if I knew that. Look at you with your background knowledge. <laughs> I, well, my extensive background knowledge of the Flintstones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I may be able to pull a few Jetsons facts out for you too. Okay, great. All right. So you wanted you now you're wondering okay. about what where you're going right. next. So we have the addition and integers are really hard. It just seems like there are some students who could have four more days of instruction with positive and negative, and then there are other students who are just ready to go. And so I have to do subtraction, and I have to do multiplication and division, and I have these parents who are like, what are you going to do to challenge my child, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And so yesterday, I pulled out practice problems, and they went kind of from single digit to double digit to rational numbers to this challenge box and I had three students get to the challenge box and the challenge box were questions like I am the opposite of the center of um, four and two thirds and I'm trying to do this in my head four and two thirds and four and five sixths. They define the middle of those two numbers and then the right, opposite. the opposite of it. And they got it? Yes. I have three what? students who were able to do like eight of those. And I'm talking like what's the middle? One of them was what's the center of 4.3 and 4 and 3 eighths? Where did those kids come from and where did you get those questions from? <laughs> well, you said where did they come from? Most of them came from Asia. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. They came with a lot of background knowledge. A lot of background knowledge. And the purple box is just like a little, hmm, take a challenge at the bottom of my textbook page dealing with integers. Oh, it just happened to be there. It just happened to be there on that page. And so I was like, try the purple box. Wow. Um, And they got it. How are you going to challenge those people? Well, that's kind of where I am. And so that happened. And I was like, listen, this is what I'm going to do. I want you to watch this subtracting integer video, everybody. That I made. It's me teaching. It's 17 minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) But when I had used it during our flipped classroom time, I had done part one and part two. Okay. This is using subtraction with models, and this is subtracting with a number line. Okay. Okay. So watch the video. And then there are three pages of doodle notes that I got where you can color and whatever, fill them in. But they don't go exactly along with the video. Okay. And so I just said, watch the video and then see how many blanks you can fill in. And then solve the problems that are there. Okay. Then you're going to come to class and you're going to tell me 
Did you watch the video? And what level do you feel like you're at? I totally get it. I'm ready for something challenging. Can I please sit in a small group with you and have you reteach it to me? Or can I sit with a partner and the two of us can work it out? That's kind of my levels. That's where you're going to like write to me about where you are. Okay. Um, and I feel like I've created a safe environment that you're not going to lie to me and tell me you're ready to do challenging things and you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I have to come up with the challenging things. Yeah. Like, so I've got your Marcy Cook puzzles. Okay. But in reality, if they're doing those, what's the middle of these two numbers and what's the opposite of it? I feel like I got to have something else because I need those, those students who feel like they have it. I need them to be able to work independently and not come to me and say, what do I do when I'm done? Yeah. Can I ask a question first before Mm -hmm. we think about what the challenge level will be? Um, how long are you giving them to do that homework? That's a lo- That's going to take a long time. That's going to take, like, if they've okay. got to watch a 17-minute video and take the notes. Is it one night? It's two nights. Okay. So they got two nights to do it. And, it, yeah, it's so, it's totally up. It's really totally up to you. Like, I feel like, listen, this is me doing my very best. And I'm really trying to be able to meet the needs of the high lo- Students who, in this particular area, really get it. Yeah, I mean, if you understand addition and subtraction of integers, you don't. You shouldn't have to do two plus negative three. You should be able to just move on. Mm -hmm. So, but you still want them to watch the video because maybe they don't know how to model it. They don't know how to model it, and because I feel like there are times where a student may have just been taught this is a subtraction problem change it to addition and change the sign and move on. And I want them to understand that subtraction problems really do mean take away, even if something is not there to take away. And that's what they see in the video. They see that I am doing four minus five and I have four yellows. So I have to put that extra zero on there so that I can take Mm -hmm. one away. And It's 17 minutes because I go really slow and I explain what I'm doing and where that's coming from. So 17 minutes is a long time to watch a video, but you can break it up and watch it over two days. Okay. So now you need to know. So I understand your reason about why you want everybody to watch it. And I've been in that exact same place where kids can do the thing, but there's the understanding that they may not have. So you want to do get them to get that so then you're thinking about what is the challenge level for the kids that can already do it and uh, lately when I've been either doing it in my class last year or or suggesting things to teachers this year I keep coming back to looking for tasks that um use the same skill but add in problem solving logic explaining kinds of tasks with it. Um, I recently made a, just like a chart on on Google Docs for a teacher who was in the same exact spot for multiplication. She's like, look, this kid can do every multiplication problem I can throw at her. She's making up multiplication problems at night and bringing them into me (laughs) the next day. And what do I give her? And so I went through and like listed all of my favorite sources for I should use that. Challenges. And then gave her examples. Like, here are the sources that all year long this kid's going to be in that boat. Here's all your places to look. And then on the right-hand side are examples of exact multiplication things you could do. So I'm naming this to make myself put it on the show notes because I think it's pretty good. Um, But I would go – I think it's Sarah Carter that has – multiple integer kind of puzzle things you know she has tons of puzzles right okay i would search i would search her website first for you know problem solving things that involve integers okay um because even rational numbers like if you're ready then here's some decimals and here's some fractions don't you think i mean if if you can find integer things stay there because you're going to need those things when you get to, you know, like I get to adding decimals. Oh, you already know how to do that. So let me throw some rational numbers in there. All right. Well, that's where we are. And so today we are going to just take a break from computation and do the Cartesian grid 
and I have a really cool activity that I'll tell you after it's over instead of how have a went. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. think it twice. <laughs> yeah, awesome. All right, so ready to move into talking about place value? I think so. Yes. Yep. Okay, good. So, um, I had a group of teachers come to me and say we need help with rounding. They remember from last year how it didn't go well, and um, you know the four. I can't even say it because it. Yeah, four she goes door. She mentally blocked it next so that door, she can't know Drop it. it. I don't even know what the thing is. I'm, let's not say drop it. Drop it like it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> if, if it's not, if then it's round a, up. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, whatever. Go next door. I don't like it. Um, and um, I think they knew that I wasn't a fan of it ahead of time. I'd probably mentioned something you last year. probably hadn't hit it on your face <laughs> exactly. when they asked you about it. So they were like, what do we do? What do we do? So I busted out the meter stick and was like, you use a meter stick. Can I can I quickly run through my whole spiel for them, for you, for whoever might be listening and still want to drop it like it's hot? <laughs> Whatever that thing is. <laughs> um, that, that statement that shall not be named. Um, okay, so you lay out the meter stick and I, thinking in my mind going all the way back to second grade – but then if they haven't had this in second, then you might start it in third or fourth, wherever you might be. Um, okay, here's the meter stick. Can you find – well, wh- what what's the range? Like where does it start? It starts at zero. Where does it end? Our meter sticks have a 99, but then they don't have 100. But they, you need to make sure they get that, that the the last one is 100. Why are you, why are you smiling at me? I thought – well, when you say our meter sticks, like – your meter sticks aren't a meter, but you just say they don't you they don't label the one hundred on the yeah, stick. Yeah, yeah. You just have to know that the edge of the stick is one hundred. Exactly. Okay. And if you had like a measuring tape that went past one hundred, you'd you'd see that. Mm-hmm. You know, you'd see one hundred. But our the meter sticks that we have at our schools, the last number is ninety nine. I get what you're saying. It sounded like I had a ninety nine centimeter stick. <laughs> our meter sticks don't quite go to a hundred. Yeah, they're not. Labeled. We got them at the dollar store. <laughs> the ninety nine cent store. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then we you just I don't even think I would start by saying the word rounding. I would just say find 21 on this meter stick. What multiple of 10 is it closest to? And they're going to look at you like, what the heck do you mean? But if perhaps before you start even start that, you ask, what do you notice? What do you wonder? By just looking at the meter stick, I on ours, they would notice that the multiples of 10 are bigger. They're That's written. what I was going to ask. Is it labeled? Because the ones I've seen, the multiples of 10 are big numbers and they're mm-hmm. subdivided in between yep, that. Yeah, that's how ours are. They would notice the millimeters. You know, I think they, I think those things would come up. And that's where I think I would throw in the word multiples of 10. You know, so, oh, you're right. All those ones with the zero, which are the multiples of 10. So anyway, you're, bu- you're building a vocab word in there. But um, which multiple of it of 10 is it closest to? I really think they're going to grasp that idea quickly because they're so much bigger on the meter sticks. And so they'll go through some of those and then, then throw in a number like 35. And then they're going to – It was I did it to the teachers and it was so funny. They were like – Wait, but it's the, it's in the middle, right? Is it in the middle? What you know? They like they had that moment. Quick, give of, me another meter stick so I can measure and see if it's in the middle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That you know they they were like, oh wait, uh, which is exactly what the students are going to do. Side note: I had a I was working with a a group of third graders this week, and um, two boys disagreed on an answer, and I was like, what do we, they were and they were partners, and I said, what do we do now? And they go, we have a math battle. And I was like, an epic math battle. What's a math battle? And they were like, well, where you fight it out. And I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> and their, te- their teacher had called it that. Isn't that the cutest thing ever? <laughs> yeah. Like, so, I mean, we didn't get much past that. Like, I didn't hear their math battle happen, but they understood that we would could have to, like, convince each other. I love So what, ha- what, what is involved? You cannot bring up math battles and not explain them. Well, I'm assuming that it's where you have to, like, convince the other person. I'm not sure they really knew, <laughs> which is the funny part. But I think the idea is that you think it's one thing. I think it's one thing. We have to, con- we have to do the work of convincing each other. I love it. A math battle. We should math battle it over dinner tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I know what you could battle is AM, PM. Oh. Something math. Now you got to bring Epic it up, Ruth. Or is battles. it something <laughs> Okay, Ruth, explain history. it. Explain it. So we were looking at a math fail, and it said the park closes at 12 p.m., and Jay says, well, that's not really math. And Tracy's like, yes, it is. I taught my students AM and PM because you have to know that. 
and Jay says, okay, I would I'll agree that, that it's, it's a, prior yeah, knowledge. Right. It's a pre, you have prerequisite. prerequisite. You have to know the difference between AM and PM to be able to do elapsed time. I give that to you. But I don't know the fact that recognizing AM, 12 AM is in the middle of the night and 12 PM is in the middle of the day, that that's math. Okay. So all of the... I'm not doing very good at the battle here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So all the people out there who are going to... Math chi- battle chi- you? Yeah. Right. Math battle me. Because, you know, I'm not up... I'm not saying but I can't be... But what did be... you say it was? Up to the history teacher? You think I, said, history? I said civics, civics, but it's more just like... I don't I don't know what that would be. What part that would be. Parents. Only thing... Yeah. Something you learn at home. <laughs> I guess my, my one I, way I can see it as being math is that it is like measurement yeah or like a cyclical pattern you know um a repeating pattern i guess so i'm saying i can be convinced otherwise yes i didn't i didn't even have to battle very hard there (laughs) i didn't say i've given up yet i still don't think it's math but i'm not saying beyond convincing if if yeah i just i just think that that's more common sense knowledge and not math (laughs) okay Okay. Sorry. There we go. All right. So wait, let's get, let's, back, to let's get back to where we were. Teachers. So, so you were at 35. 35. Yes. And so then we would settle there, have a little productive struggle. Um, you know, who wants to who wants to battle for 20 or 30 and who wants to battle for 40, whatever. And then you get to that point where you're like, okay, well, they, it really is in the middle. And this is, I think, an example of a convention. P- p- people had to decide if we're going to have this term rounding and – you know, it's halfway in the middle. We have to just pick one that we're going to always go to go with. And so mathematicians, whether whether or not I, I don't really know if what I'm saying is like 100 percent accurate. Is that what happened there? But I, I, to me, whoops, to me, to me, it's a convent, an example of a convention that if you're in the middle, we're all we're just going to agree that we're always going to go to the bigger side. But there's also five numbers that round to 30 and five numbers that round to the next one. So if you wait, there are you have 30, 31. 30. Well, I counted 30 as. Oh, wait. Good I'm point. saying you start 25. They round to 30, 25. Oh, okay. So I'm saying between 30 and. On your little number line, between on 30 your meter and, stick. Okay. 30, 31, 32, 33, and 34. Okay. Would all go to 30. And then your other ones, 35, 36, 37, 38, and 39. Okay, that's convincing. So, but you counted in the first one. You counted right the in the first one. I counted to. thirty. The second one, you don't count right. the one you're running rounding to. So you're right. It probably is a convention, but it's also, I don't know, that's just five numbers on both hands when you're doing, yeah, what's what rounding down at? and what's rounding up. Just that I wasn't consistent. That I used thirty in the first one and I didn't use. Well, 40 I was trying in to figure out one. how to. How to use that example, but still use it. But if you use 30 and 40, then you still have that odd man out number in the middle. Yeah. So. Hmm. Maybe somebody out there has some information about why 35 rounds up to 40 that is a little more official than. I know why 35 rounds up to 40. Okay, because why? if you are the chicken crossing the road <laughs> and you've already gotten to the halfway point, you might as well keep on going. Wait, wasn't that the very first episode of this it podcast? Yes. Yeah. Oh, that was a good moment there, oh. Ruth. <laughs> Go back and listen to the chicken. It's the chicken. <laughs> yeah. It's all the chicken's fault. Okay. So, man, I have taken a really long time getting to my point. Um, so then we we continue. Okay. Then we've decided that. Then I suggested to them they lay out as many meter sticks on the floor as they could find up to 10. I could only find four at the moment or actually fit four across in my room um, <laughs> without running into all kinds of things. So I've laid four down on the floor. I labeled... The, like with a big note card, I labeled 100 and then I put a 200 at the end of the second meter, then 300 and then 400. And then we did the same exact thing. Find 150, well, 189 on the on the meter stick. Okay, so there's a little bit of thinking there, like you have to go to the 100 and then the eight plus it more 89 on the second one, which multiple of 100 is it closest to? 100 or 200 it's so easy to see that it's closer to 200 and then after we do that for a while then i would change the question to say which multiple of 10 is it closest to and that's where they'll see um you know 
but like look look back at the little multiples of 10. So we explored that much further. Um, and there, our main question, what the, and the, I'm so glad the teachers asked this, was like, okay, this is all well and good, but when I get to their standard goes up to, you have to round a number in the thousands place to the nearest thousand, hundred, and ten. So I think this building of number line knowledge will be fine in um, in the thousands place. But when you get to the having to round a number like 1,589 to the hundreds place and to the tens place, it's tough if, if you – if you're still doing it number line. So I'm, I'm willing to hear thoughts you have about the whole number line idea. So I can only think that it would go back to choral counting and say, today we're going to count by tens and we're going to start with 1,500. And mm. so they're being introduced to 1,510, 1,520, and they're looking at those patterns. And so now you're asking me to round 1,589, and I'm going to refer back to that choral counting, and someone's going to be able to say, well, it's 1,580, 1,590. It's got to be somewhere in there. Cool. I mean, I think there's a place... Well, so maybe there's not a place. Maybe there's not a place for you as a teacher to say, look, just do this. But there's going to be a student who's like, well, this one is either going to stay the same or this one is going to go up. Mm -hmm. I had that moment yesterday with Ethan. And I am walking around watching them do integers. And I say, what's going on? And he's like, well, he had to do 25 plus negative 37. And he said, I'm trying to do 25 minus 37. Okay, well, let me know how that goes. And I kind of walk and come back and he's like, I think I just figured something out. Mm. I think instead of doing 25 minus 37, I could really do 37 minus 25. Cool. And then I would just know it was negative because there's more people on the negative team. I'm like, I think you have figured out something that we need to tell the whole class. And his face was just like. You know, and the rest of the kids were like, well, that's what I always do, you know. But for him to discover that he could switch those subtraction problems, I don't even know what he was doing in his head to figure Mm -hmm. out 25 minus 37, other than counting back 37 Mm -hmm. spots on his number line. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, those are the moments that you want to happen. Right, and that's why you teach. That's why you teach this way, so that the kids can own it and they can really understand it. They can build the idea that if it's four, you know, if it's zero, one, two, three, or four, you're gonna it's gonna be closer to the lower one, and if it's five, six, seven, eight, nine, it's gonna be closer to the higher one. Yeah. Yeah. What were you gonna were you gonna say something? I was trying to figure out the rounding thing because you had said rounding a four digit number to thousands, which I think that part is easy ish. But then the how do you how do you what are they? How would they do that one? Yes. The thousands? So my number is 1,445. Okay, hold on. Let me write it down. 1,400 what? 45. Okay. So do you just keep rounding from the right-hand side? Because if you do, that's going to round up to 2,000. But if you look at it on a Mm. kilometer stick, it's... So Absolutely. you're saying, did you round it to 10 and then did you round it to the 100? No. You don't do that. And like, and this is a kind of like a math test, how you know it's going to ask it. Like they're asking you to round it once to the thousands place and then start over and round it to the hundreds place and then start over and round it to the tens I'm saying place. if I, if you give me that number and tell me round this to the thousands place, what's the procedure? What is my first step? Okay, so if I'm doing number line, I'm going to draw – if I'm thinking about rounding to the thousands place, I'm going to think about when I count by thousands, what are the multiples of thousand, of 1,000? 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. Okay, so this number is in between 1,000 and 2,000. Then I want to think about what's halfway between 1,000 and 2,000. It's 1,500. That's in the middle. Right. And then this number falls before the 1,500, so it rounds to 1,000. Okay. I just didn't know because we were just talking about the whole five rounds up, whether they, you know, they just, they don't look at that in this thing. You, you're doing it 
representationally. Is that what that was? This is representationally. Good for you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what you're saying is a common mistake that because kids think, make when they I are think, rounding. Because they, they round from the right end and they oop, mm-hmm. that, it goes up, that goes up. Oh, this must mm-hmm. go up to 2,000 and it yeah. doesn't. That's a mistake that I've seen in my fourth grade class okay. a lot. Yeah. So you have to you have to talk about like, what's the question asking? The question is asking, is 1,445 closer to 1,000 or 2,000? When I'm asking you to round it to the nearest thousands place. Well, I, I am relieved to hear that the common sense of where that number lies is the correct answer. And it's not through some sort of weird convention that it actually meets all the, so let's keep finds a loophole and rounds up. Let's keep going then. If we were going to carry the number line thing out with now you're asking to round this number to the hundreds place. So if I was coral counting and I had some kind of list of numbers on the board, then I would have 1000, 400, 1,500, 1,600. And so you, that part, in my experience, again, sixth graders, they can do that. They can look at the number and come up with a list of numbers that it's near. Mm -hmm. So now that you have a list that it's near, which two is it between? Mm -hmm. Okay. And because it's between these two, now, what's the middle of it? Yeah. So there are steps that you follow, right? But there's so much more, there's so much more sense making in it. There you go. They're understanding it, not necessarily just following a set of rules. And I can't even tell you how many kids come to me underlining the wrong digit. Yep. Or drawing the arrow the wrong way. It's yep. like they have all of these tricks, but they have absolutely no understanding. Mm-hmm. And 1,445 is going to round to 1,546. Yeah. You know, you just switch all the numbers around and you just make up a new number. Or and- it's going to round to 400. Right. You know, like just totally oh, lose the thousands. Lose that, yeah. Yeah, or 2,000 because they've started at the end and worked their way up, Mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of mistakes. So what I told these teachers is that in conjunction with this, they really need to do, I would suggest that they do um, number talks every day that are building number line sense on open number lines. And I sent them some suggestions. I'll put it in on the show notes. But, you know, for example, like here's an open number line that has just zero and 20 marked. Where is 12 on this number line? So you're thinking the first step you're going to probably do is what's halfway between 0 and 20. Mm-hmm. Not every kid in their room can do that. But they're, you're going to start to build it. It's 10. Okay. So now where do I know where 12 is? Well, maybe all you can do is think it's closer to 10 than 20. You might know that. Or maybe you can think about what's halfway between 10 and 20 is 15. Again, not every room kid in that room is going to know it, but they're going to build it by repeating that, seeing that 5 show up all the time in the middle. Um, I, I shared that strategy with a teacher at another building and um she did it and she wrote me back not just a week later after she started doing it she was like look at this and it was her rounding test and she said i didn't necessarily teach rounding this way i think she might have still used you know a look next door or whatever but multiple kids had drawn number lines on her rounding test and were like placing the numbers and arrowing back to another one they were connecting their number talks to their rounding. Ding, 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 ding. Right. I'll link, I'll link her tweet with a picture of what she did. It was, it was, it was just amazing. Um, so much sense making happening there. Okay. So I got to put a plug in for an app that I have on my iPad. You have to pay for it, but it's zoom. Uh huh. And it starts with really big animals and you just use your fingers and you spread and each number, each animal has a number on it. So like there's elephants that represent the thousands and when you zoom, then another animal comes up and you see the hundreds. And mm-hmm. you can just keep going until you're down to, like, bacteria that are the thousands. And you can see that there's really an infinite amount of numbers between every number. Yeah. What's that word? Oh, there's a word for that. Oh, um, density. The density property of numbers. Yeah. That's where. Yeah. That was not on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> where where in between every number, there's always more numbers and more numbers mm-hmm. and more numbers. Um, then it goes to the virus 
And then it goes okay, I'm done. To oh. the cellular level. Okay. Um uh I could just yeah, we could geek out on that all day. Um I as we were talking through this, I was going back to coral counting, like you said, that was a really good connection. And to when we what was it i was doing decimals right I, we talked about that on a, on a long time ago episode but that whole zooming in idea you know they could still they could do that in their coral count we are going to count by thousands then we're going to put our little fingers up you can't see me put your little fingers up and do a little ipad zoom out or zoom in thing spread your fingers out and then now what are the hundreds in between that zoom in and again. you can are, model that with number lines too i mean yeah. to do that zoom with in between these numbers, let's do that and let's draw it on yeah. this board of what what's in between that's, there. I mean, that's what I was doing as we were talking about how to round 1,445 to the hundredth place. I drew another one and then I could circle that section and draw another one and counting by tens. That's that's just so cool. If they could, they could get there. They can get there. Not if they can get yeah. there, but when, when they get, get there. there. Yeah. So the other thing with place value is this, their statement like this, and I've seen it at least in the second and third grade um, pacing guide or standards. It says, use models to represent numbers in multiple ways according to place value. So if you just say that, you're like, what the heck? Okay, well, here's an example. 256 can be 100, 14 tens, and 16 ones, or 25 tens and 6 ones, or, of course, the one we think of, two hundreds, five tens, and six ones. Um, when the when I pointed that particular – that's not like an extra. That's in the, the category called essentials to the teachers. They were like, what? <laughs> you know. Um, so I will say we went through – I was like, okay, we have to narrow that way back down. Where are we going to start? Let's start with 87. Okay, so we we would model it with eight tens, and I got out the base ten rods, laid them in the tens column, and seven ones. But it's also equal to we can make an exchange. We can take this ten rod to the bank and exchange it for ten ones, and then plop it over here and into the ones column, and we still have eighty seven. This seven tens and seventeen ones is still equal to eighty seven. And I asked them, I was like. Do you see any reason why we'd ever do this? Like, can you think of anything that this is valuable for? Please tell me they said yes. They did. Okay. They, they, <laughs> they real like they were like. I mean, it took a little bit of like, mm, mm, but they got it. That that's what you do when you subtract, and because um, yeah, right, right. I was thinking um, like money. What do you mean? Like, if I have a, a pocket full of change, I'm, I'm liable to have you know, more dimes. Dollars, right. And like, so it's not like every, well, our, our money goes from dimes to quarters instead of dimes to dollars. It's not like, right. it's not like 10 dimes is all I'm going to snap into a dollar in my yeah, pocket. Yeah, good so point. So I could have 13 dimes uh -huh. and when I lay it on the table to count it, that's not, I mean, that I'm, I will carry that 10 dimes and make that a dollar mm -hmm. and then have three dimes and however many pennies and the same thing that way. Yeah, Cause that's, that's, that's where my brain went. But Sometimes using money to represent math is wrong, so I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> it's not wrong. It's just, yeah. Um, so good. That's a great real world connection there, JJ. I like it. Um, Thank you. But the uh, the other idea being that um, that's what you do when you regroup for subtraction, right? Mm -hmm. You rename a ten. That's definitely a smarter into thing. yeah <laughs> thanks into some ones. So that you have enough ones to take away. And they were like, whoa. And I, one teacher even was like, I wish I'd learned it this way. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> um, so even though they don't teach subtraction with regrouping in second grade, how awesome is it going to be when their kids go to third grade and they have this understanding that 87, 8 tenths, and 7 ones is the same as seven tens and what I might have mixed up my numbers by mm -hmm. this point. But that's a thing that I think kids don't get is once they've done all these magical crossing outs of of the regrouping, they don't realize they still have the same amount. I think I think they feel like some stuff went flew out of the, you know, out of the problem. Um so my question is what kinds of tasks or games or whatever is going to get them there. And I have a follow-up question. They said to me, this feels wrong because 
you're not like we teach them don't put more than 10 in a column and all of a sudden you have 17 in a column you're supposed to quick put it up in the tens you can't you know like they've i i've taught that too right you, when it gets to more than 10 you move them over so how how do we what do we change about our conversation that or what's the task somebody help me here i think you do it the same what i was just talking about do it in some some real live items and not columns a place value columns on a sheet of paper with a math problem. Okay. Or like, your task is how many ways can you represent 87? Because you could do 27 ones and six tens uh-huh. and 37 ones and five tens. So personally, I wouldn't choose the one with big digits like eight and seven because it's oh, a lot of counting. Good point. Okay. Right? But maybe how many different ways can you represent 43? So can you represent 43 five ways? What about expanded form? I mean, so yeah, we'd write 40 plus three. Well, we could also write 30 plus 13 and 20 uh-huh. plus 23. And if, you have, or if you're using the base 10 block thing uh-huh. that you talked about earlier, say they have to make, you know, 54, but they only have four tens. Ooh. So there's a problem solving. You only get That's four tens. Good. How do you make how do you make fifty four? Yeah. And they have to realize that you can use a lot more ones to build up to it. Yeah. I like that. I I tried something that I think was too complicated. So if we can like adjust it somehow, where I built a number and then told my part like so here's a number, look and I built it quote unquote correctly with the right with tens in the mm-hmm. or hundreds in the hundreds column, tens in the tens column. And then I had my partner turn around and I made an exchange of some sort or maybe two. And then I could decide as the exchanger, do I want to hide something or add something extra? Like do I want to lie, basically? And if I did, I would have a little bucket where I put the extra in it, you know, like a hidden spot. And so then my partner turns back around and they now see, you know, maybe more ones than we started with or whatever. And they have to figure out, is this really is it really still the same amount we started with or not the same amount anymore? And I I did it with a an um colleague, like, here, try this. I you know, look at what we have. Okay, now turn around, I'm gonna mess with it. And then turn back around. And it was so cool that she immediately saw like a bunch of ones. And so she started grouping them and was, you know, she didn't necessarily like move them over into the next place value, but she basically could have. Like she was grouping things, which is exactly Mm -hmm. what you want the kids to start to do. It was cool to watch her problem solve. And I bet the kids would do the same thing. They'd be like, oh, here's 10 of them. Let me push them over here. Um, Is that too complicated of a task? I don't know. I don't think so. When you've got your, I mean, I'm thinking about 43, right? I mean, if you're Uh saying you're doing this in second grade, if you're going to start it in third, I think you're, so you're just saying that you would make 43 with three tens and 13 ones, but then you might take some out. Yeah. Take some ones out to see if they. Or kept an extra 10 in there or something, Mm -hmm. you know, like you can lie or not lie, you know, I don't know. I don't know how you'd record it and check behind them. This might be like a small group thing that you, right? What you know, you're doing, keeping close watch on. So it what first. if you did two truths and a lie? Yeah. So here's my forty three, and two of them are forty three, and one's not. Oh, that's cool. I like that. Which one's not? Yeah. And can you create one two truths and a lie? Yeah, that's good. Fifteen, or you know. Yeah. Well, more had to be bigger than it that. It have probably. to be. Um, yeah, I like that. To I'm thinking about the counting out of ten ones. You know, like it's just it's tedious if you're trying to go to like twenty three ones or whatever. You know, that's so. Bleh. So some shortcuts would be using ten like little tiny mini ten frames that you can print on black line masters and have little tiny ones. That wait no, that'd still be the same problem. Okay, another solution would be base ten stamps. Hmm. You know, you could make two truths and a lie with the stamps. I have a couple sets of those. That'd be a Are small you group. Just the manipulation of the counting them out. <laughs> yeah. Just moving the items around and grouping items would take just, longer, and yeah. they would lose it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then you just count wrong, and then all of a sudden your whole thing is, you know, yeah. 
I was just thinking you could put put them in little Ziploc bags, but then that gives – it still makes you want to count 10. Okay, so we're throwing it out there. Clearly there are teachers who have tackled this particular essential and have some tasks or ideas or, you know, what worked for your people. So let us know what – you know what we are. What we are doing is grasping the context, or gra- no, grasping the content. We need. We need to the next step, which is what is the context, the real world context that would be like the wrapping. You know, making making a need for this. So hopefully somebody out there's got gone into enough. I think your money in your pocket is great. I think all of a sudden you're throwing in decimals and you know like it well, gets complicated you, you know, for fair, yeah. That's what I was saying. It's not perfect because of the subdivisions of our money yeah i did i did talk to a different group of teachers about like the idea of shipping something and this was the context they were using this week and it was like t-shirts this company ships t-shirts and which kind of made sense for us because in our building every new student gets a new t-shirt gets a a school t-shirt when they come to our building and so we ordered them and the company has um, boxes that fit a hundred and boxes that fit 10 and boxes that a single t-shirt could go in. And, um, you know, how could they have come to us? Yes, they could have come to us in as many hundreds boxes as we have in as many tens, but okay. But they're sh- like, just like you said, they're short a hundred box. What are they going to do? What's another way they could have shipped oh, it? Oh man, if that's, if it's hundreds and oh tens yeah it was a, there was a tens box yeah yeah so like, just oh, dang that... everybody a hundred single boxes yeah oh, okay we have just a few minutes shall we talk about probably we can only tackle one of these shall i tell you about my good idea yes okay great i couldn't i've been hardly able to sit still all morning <laughs> Shut up. okay so so our our division has a grant program that has blessed our classrooms years when you worked in our division and then continue to bless mine. It's called the Lynchburg Education Foundation. And it's amazing. Just really, really amazing. All these partners from our community give money and then teachers write grants and, and, and just the coolest things that people are able to do. It really is a neat program. They have, you know, grants up to 2000 and then the grants up to 5,000, I think are like two different categories. I'm like have goosebumps about how many cool things I've been able to do. Stop looking at me, and (laughs) and how many cool things all over our division have happened. Um, We'll link to their site where you can like see some of their old projects. And we talked about Rock and Soul in a recent one, and Mm -hmm. that was funded by the Education Foundation. So, all right. Um, So I was like, I'm not going to write one this year. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Let somebody else have some, you know, take a turn. And then how'd that work for you? It didn't work. Every year something comes right at the last minute. At least I'm not like the last week before I've been there in that place. So I got a couple weeks, but I'm going to write a count and collections grant. Okay. And so I'm going to do, I'm going to get multiple copies of the book so we can have a book study. And the good thing about that book is that you don't have to commit to reading the entire book because half of it is about coral counting, which I want them to do too, right? But we can start with just the like the intro chapter and then read just the chapter about your grades and counting collections. So it's counting collections and coral counting. The book in the is, book. yes. Okay. But you know, I want this to be a during the school year book and I feel like we can we can narrow it down and not overwhelm anybody. And then I can buy cool collections of things to count because I, I did coral count, count, sorry, counting collections with two teachers this week. And we learned a lot of things about how to make it efficient, how to make it effective, you know, things that I didn't know. We just learned in the process what things are good first step of counting and what things are like obnoxious to count at first, what things are too small, if they roll, like all kinds of practical things we hadn't thought of. Hadn't thought of if they roll, like keep, keep them <laughs> yeah. in one place. <laughs> they were like, what do I do? They just keep rolling away. That like people had, kids had brought in beads to count and it was a hot mess. Um, so buying things that are fun, the right size and shape to make in groups. Um, and then buying more complex collections of things that are already grouped to, to do multiplication for older grades. Buy con- I could get containers to put the collections in, you know, because if you just – and then I'm thinking of having like 
you know, these collections are going to be good for kindergarten. These collections are good for first and second. Here's some the third and fourth. Like have them labeled and the teachers can already know how many are in the collection. They don't have to count them out themselves, you know. Um, and then also we need. Well, somebody's going to have to count them. Well, yeah, that's my job. Because you're not going to get them back this... with the same numbers. Well, but it also, even if they don't get back the exact same amount, it's close. You know, this is under 100 or over 100 or over, two, you know. Or okay. over, yeah, over 100, or over 200 or whatever, you know, like, you don't really care as, as long as you know if it's below 100 or below 20 or. So as long as you can round it. Yes. Okay. Good connection there, JJ. I can only think about Nancy Ostepa and if she's listening to this yeah. and how you could potentially have, I don't know, like. Something to Don't help her with her getting to her million is just that whole thought process. If this box has this much, oh. how many of these boxes will we need to get yeah. to this much? And yeah. Not that you're going to buy a million things, right? But <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that whole conversation yeah. that could yeah. happen because the teachers know those boxes. So something else that your counting collections could be used for is to really help the students visualize. Place value. Yeah. Yeah. Like, let's go take a walk to Miss Prophet's cabinet and open it and see about how many things are in there. Yeah. Cool. I like that. Um, also, I'm going to include in the grant think tools that you need. So the teachers who were doing this were like, okay, what tools? Okay, you need cups and you need bowls and you need plates and you tens frames. And they – they got they had like medium sized cups and big cups, but they needed little tiny cups for the kids that choose chose to count little tiny things. And so what if I had, you know, all the cups and all the bowls and all that ready to go? They could just borrow it and then put it back. I'm so excited. Um they're looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> What's a tens frame? Oh, good question. A tens frame is um how am I gonna describe it? It's an it's a two by five array. Okay. That is on a piece of paper that gives you a spot to put all your 10 things. So you use 10 frames in lower grades to build an understanding of how numbers are related within 10. So five, you start to see is a full row, like on the top of it. Um, It's half of the 10, or you would see like five and one more to help you subitize as six. Cause it's, you know, and then you, I start to see like eight as a full 10 with two not there. Okay. So you're building, you're building an understanding of eight as five and three more or 10 and my 10, two less than 10. Five and two more. No, three, three more. So did I say it? I must I was, I was going eight to 10. You were doing five to eight and I just yeah. jumped on the wrong one. Okay. Okay. So it's not a physical thing that they put little pieces into. Well, it could be. No, okay. it's just not, it's not an into, it's an on top of. Okay. My niece in Florida is homeschooling, and I told her that she needed 10 frames for her preschooler, and she bought pillboxes and cut off. Ah, so she has, yeah, she cut off the weekend, so she has Monday to Friday on one, and Monday to Friday evening, your a.m. and p.m., and she just tore the lids off and had her husband cut off the weekends, and so now she has physical 10 frames where he can actually put the items in the little cups. Did she get that on Pinterest or did she come up with no, that No, she on her came own? up with that on her own. Oh, that's good. So everyone out there in podcast land, you can I can see Tracy's eyes. <laughs> and I have a feeling that in the near future, I will be cutting, cutting the ends off of pillboxes. I pill say that. Although that would be a great tool to add to my accounting collections grant. See, told you. <gasps> yes. Told you. Yes. I love it. That's really cool, Ruth. Okay, we have to get her to take a picture of it. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, so what other suggestions besides pillboxes? Thank you very much for asking that great question. I do have to say that I made Hannah listen to the Counting Collections podcast before she did Counting Collections, and she was like, her main comment was, Jay Prophet adds a lot to your podcast. <laughs> that was her main comment in life. She really likes you. Aww, thank <laughs> and you, she Hannah. said, just when I was thinking, I don't understand what they're saying, Jay would ask a question about it. <laughs> and just went, oh, and then she commented about how you said some good vocabulary word. And she was like, whoa, that's a good word. And then I went, whoa, that's a good word on the podcast. <laughs> so thanks for that. I'm worried that one day after sitting down here talking math with you two ladies, you're going to know forever. I'm I'm gonna know more, and I'm not gonna be able to ask ask those questions. Well, you could just pretend. Yeah, but it's hard to pretend what you don't know. Yeah, 
I mean, because if we could pretend, we would, but we don't yeah. know that people don't know. <laughs> so, so pretty, I'm going to be immune to all this upper level math talk. Well, so. maybe we'll have to get my husband to come down so he can ask. <laughs> <this question. laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> See how that goes. Okay. Anyway. Did Did anybody have a counting collective suggestion? No. I was looking to see if I had a picture of her pillboxes. Okay. Well, if you think of something that I should add to my counting collection suggestions, let me know. I'm excited to like one of these days when I get a free hot second. Go to ice cube trays would be a little bit bigger than a pillbox. But you have to make sure that the tins. You could just have your husband cut them off. Okay. If you can cut a pillbox, then you could cut an ice cube tray. Yeah. (laughs) Good point. Anyway, I'm going to go to Walmart and I'm going to go to the dollar store and I'm going to start looking for things that I want to be in my collection. It's too bad you can't usually spend grant money at yard sales because we could find some amazing things at yard sales. <laughs> like one item on the grant is like, can I have an envelope full of $1 bills to take to the yard sale? Yeah. Or to pay Ruth to do my accounting collections. Right. Um, I have buying. been looking for stuff uh, for accounting collections. Yeah. Last week we were at a yard sale and – the guy was like, we're moving and we want to be a blessing. So everything is 10 cents. Oh, and that's where you got the set game. Yes. Ugh. The set game. And I got seven, eight, nine. I got four different math card games that what? I haven't played yet. But what if it's like Albert's Insomnia where you just don't even know how super cool it is yeah. quite yet. That's awesome. Yeah. And I got some kids books. Oh, Alexander, who used to be rich last Sunday. I'm yeah. like, surely I could use this in math class. Yeah. It's 10 cents. Or you could just fill a Kroger bag for a dollar. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. He was like, hopefully it'll be a blessing. So yeah, I love it. All right. Um, are we, are we done for the day? Or are I we think gonna... so. I think we are. Okay. We'll have to save our kindergarten shape because it's, it's been really It is good. a good one. Yeah. We'll save Maybe that. it'll still continue to unfold and you can have even more to talk about. Yeah. Well, we, we have made um, a little Twitter contact with a kindergarten teacher that we are hoping oh, to. Oh, that'd be a great time So to that would be a up. great thing to talk yeah. about with her. So, okay, perfect. Let's save it. All right. Takeaways. Go. Wow. Yeah, I wasn't ready for that. I am going to be on the lookout for counting collections for you. Okay. Because. Thanks. Yeah. That's a good takeaway. Okay. Yeah, I got nothing. Nothing? Well, I'm, <laughs> I, got, I got caught off guard by the. T- by the What's your takeaway? The you takeaway always time. like. Yeah, mm. you, you throw it on us. What's your takeaway? Yeah. Okay, my takeaway is I want to go back to my teachers that I was talking about the rounding and maybe suggest the count, the coral counting to them, but especially suggest the like start at the thousands and then zoom in, rewrite it as hundreds within that area, zoom in and rewrite it with the tens. I'm going to, we, we talked about a strategy of like covering up and thinking about just thinking about your tens place and then putting it back but I think this this idea of, like, drawing three number lines is more conceptual than just put your hand over it, round it to the tens place, and then put it back. So I'm going to I'm gonna revisit the, that with them. All right. Here's my takeaway. Yeah. Clams were indeed the monetary unit <laughs> in the Flintstones. <laughs> but they were a sub-currency of sand dollars. So, like... You had sand dollars as like the dollars, and then clams were the coins. Does, is there a 10 to 1 relationship? They don't know what the relationship is. It was never really fleshed out in a Saturday morning cartoon, Tracy. Are you sure? Like, did you read that? I did. <laughs> <laughs> or what's your source? <laughs> the internet. Okay. <laughs> Cited. Chuck. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's so there, my takeaway. There's some there's some kind of math what they're waiting to happen, isn't there? there so you is. could make it up. You could make yeah. your own. I'm gonna assume it was ten to one because that only makes sense. Or a hundred to one. Maybe that makes more sense. Because they're like pennies. Like pennies. Wow. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna be thinking about that all week. My real takeaway is that I have a hard time because I learned math very much by the What's the way you're not supposed to teach math? Algorithmic. Whoa, yeah, that one. <laughs> Algorithm. Um, I learned math very algorithmically, and I learned it well. I mean, I, I learned math. I know math, but I learned it through algorithms. Yeah. And I just struggle sometimes 
learning it or seeing it yeah. the other way. Yeah. And sometimes my initial instinct is, instinct is, that's so dumb. I already know it this way. It's quicker. But. That's why it's the algorithm. Yeah. And I know that. I just sometimes I have a hard time seeing it your way because I learned I learned algorithmically and this seems like a step backwards to me. Mm-hmm. But I do understand when you're starting with no knowledge, it's you know you're yeah. you're it's coming from that direction. So that's I, I work hard to see things the concrete way or the you know representational way and and see how it works and, and understand it better that way. Yeah. I think there are a lot of advantages. There are many, many reasons, but one of the one one that sticks out to me is that algorithm when you learn something algorithmically, you're going to get all kinds of crazy an- wrong answer mistakes. You know, like the right, mistakes because you are going to learn it logically. Yeah, you, you don't you don't have any meaning. Yeah. But when you I, the hope is that when you learn are learning something conceptually, your mistakes are more reasonable. And I think it's harder to apply knowing something. If you learn algorithmically, that's algorithmically, it's harder to apply it to another concept that it's related to, because it's almost like it's packaged in its own little mm. thing. And it's not a combination of skills that you can draw from or, or add to or transfer use over is here. harder. Yeah. Cool. Look at you. You learned a lot from us. So I am a little deeper <laughs> than clams and sand dollars. Yes. All right, Ruth. I won't see you on my 92-degree run this afternoon. What the Ooh, heck? Ooh, I think it's 95, yeah. but you're right. Yeah, we were going to run together this afternoon, and then, yeah. It's okay. I'll forgive you. <laughs> I will see you Monday on the run. See you. All right. All right.